Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Turn to your neighbor and say, isn't God good? Hasn't God been good? We're going to look back at 2019. Say, isn't God good? But we're going to move into 2020. How many people know, you know, we hear this thing that says hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. If you're smarter than we are, I think. I don't know how 2020 my hindsight is. But I know something that you need 2020 vision to move into 2020. Who cares how well you see the past? Why don't we work on seeing the future and what God has for you rather than be thinking backwards and be thinking in the past and trying to figure it all out? You're not that smart. I love you, but you're not that smart. I'm going to show you in a new series that we're starting today how we get 2020 vision moving into 2020. I have to... I feel like my Evernote has done something, Chad, that I've never seen it do before. And I'm going to credit you with that. All right, we're good. <laughs> I love you. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. I love how Joshua, in any, uh, in any rise to any platform, I think you have to remember that the platform is not about you. Joshua served this man Moses for a long time. He served him for a lifetime in some regards. He served Moses for a long time. And uh, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua. So notice here that, that as Joshua is moving into his new year, something has happened that's not awesome. Can I hear an amen, Venue Church? Help me preach a little bit here. Not everything in the new year is going to be awesome, and not all of it's going to start that way. But how it starts isn't how it ends. See, Joshua has now lost Moses, and now he has millions of people looking at him saying, all right, new Moses, what do we do? That's not a fun pressure to live under. Some of you are coming into the new year under pressure and under some form of turmoil. He said, the Lord says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, that's depressing. I'm going to tell you why he said that in a few minutes. Moses, my servant, is dead, as if Joshua doesn't know. He's like, I know. I know. Everybody looking at me. I know. I got it. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Now, just stop there. Meaning 2020, there's going to be land that you need to move into that you have not moved into yet. He's saying, quit comparing yourself to Moses. Like, look, your, your sister has always been like goody two-shoes, and she never got anything right, and she didn't mess up her life like you messed up your life. But you're coming back to church, and you're coming back to God, and you're not your sister, so relax. You're not Moses. Relax. You're you. Let's move into 2020 and be the you that God wants you to be in 2020 and quit worrying about somebody else. Quit comparing yourself to somebody else's grace or somebody else's anointing. That is the surest way to destroy your own call. To sit there and compare yourself to somebody else as if God does that to his children. No, he's just looking at you and saying, no, you need to get better for you. And when you get better, your people get better. 
He says, I, I promised you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Now, this is important to note here as well, because if you, I guess the inverse of this is true. If you don't step out, if you don't take a risk, if you don't put your feet on some land that you don't have yet, if you don't walk towards the enemy, you don't get that land. So some of us, there's land that God has already given us. You just haven't stepped on it yet. You just have, you got to step on it before you get it. There's this time period in there, but if you don't step, you don't get it. It's also interesting to note here that, that what God is calling you to do is going to be different than the generation before you, and it's going to be more. So think about that. Whatever your parents look like and whatever they struggled with, God is not intending you to struggle with the same things. He intends you to beat them so that our sons and daughters don't have to deal with the same garbage that we dealt with and they can move into a new land. And God is going to call you to step up to move into a new land and to move your people further ahead than you have been. I think sometimes the generations look back and we get a little bit like, hey, don't take it further than we take it. I just hope my daughters take it way further than I even thought of taking it. Well, that's the whole purpose of my life is to lay a foundation for the next generation. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. What he doesn't say is nobody is going to come against you, Joshua. You're not going to have any enemies. Just chillax, Netflix and couch, everybody. He's not saying that. How many people came against Joshua? Way more than came against Moses. Way more, way more, way more, way more kings. But he says, no one will be able to stand against you, but you stand. Get up, stand. He says, I will, I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Some of us are approaching the new year with fear and discouragement. They're quiet killers, man. You've got to root them out. They'll make you go back when you should go forward. They'll make you when you should. I think a lot of us are really good at the beginning of a race. And then fewer of us in the middle. And then very few of us by the time we get to the end. Wherever you go, but keep going. But keep going. Be strong and courageous. God is with you. We're... um, Next week, we're going to celebrate our third anniversary as a church. Venue church. We're just a baby church. We're just a baby church. We're just working it out. Uh, and I have my friend, Pastor Nate Puccini from Substance Church in Minneapolis coming. You got to come. Come out. If you want to like, meet him, actually, like face-to-face, come out Saturday night. We set up here at 6.30 on Saturday nights, and you want to come out to team on Saturday night, come on out and meet him face-to-face. And uh, he's going to be busy on Sunday morning, so you probably won't be able to spend all that much time with him. But I want you to come out as he challenges you and I to move into the new year. But in this time of anniversary and in this time of like new year and new thing, Joshua, there's these four stages that happen for us to get into the new year and to see it with 2020 vision and to get to where God wants us to go. You can kind of feel it, but how to flesh that out, we need to flesh that out. And Pastor Nate's going to come and he's going to help us flesh out how to get there as a church, how, for you how to get there. This sermon is going to help you flesh out how to actually get there. You've got to actually walk the path. I can show you the path, but you've got to walk the path. You can read about the path in the word of God. God can speak it to you in prayer time. You've got to walk it out. So let's... Start walking it out. 
there's this thing that you're going to have to do in 2020. You're going to have to become a different person than you were in 2019. So get this Canadian, like, I'm just trying to find myself out. You need to find God. He'll help you find yourself. You need to help other people. That'll help you find yourself. You can't find your purpose without helping somebody find their purpose. This whole thing of like, I just need to discover myself. Yeah, well, some of what you discover is not great. Like, I love you, and I know you love me, but some of what I'm discovering about me is not great. Like, it could be better. And for 2020 to be a better year, then I have to get better. The things have to shift and things have to change in my life. Katie says, and, and I was in the office this morning getting ready to come, and, and Katie and Neela were there, and Neela is talking about the Mandalorian. Does everybody know what that is? And, and the Disney whatever plus, just another way to snatch my $8 a month. <laughs> Disney plus, and we're watching the Mandalorian, and, and Neela's, she's given me like, we haven't watched this week's episode, but the one before that, no spoiler alerts. Yoda did it. No. There's this little Yoda character that every time that this baby Yoda, that's what we call him. We don't know if it's Yoda yet. We're not sure. But every time he comes on, my girls are like, oh, he's so cute. He's so little. How, little things are always cute. Unless they're, you're a two-year-old, but everybody else thinks they're cute. And Katie says to Neela, she, she goes, Neela, how come I'm way taller than you are? Which is funny, because have you seen Katie? She's not huge. She's cute, too. She's little. All the copes are kind of little. I don't know what it is about us. We're strong in the Lord, man. We don't need physical height. We can fit in any car comfortably. You can tall people sit there and get all your leg cramps have worked out. It's okay. We're good. You can fall asleep anywhere. And Neela says to her, when Katie's like, how come I'm so much taller than you? Neela says to her, I think I need a growth spurt. She goes, I'm only four feet tall and everybody in my class is like four foot nine, which is a lot when you're in whatever grade Neela's in. Five, good five. Good five. Good five, huh? Hindsight is twenty twenty. At the end of this year, I'll know what grade she had been in. Need a growth spurt. That's what you need. You're late to the party. It's okay. You feel like you're coming back to Christ a little bit late. It's okay. You need a growth spurt. Uh, it's not too late. You just need a growth spurt. But to get a growth spurt in the house of God, what you have to do is you have to realize that the bar is going to get raised higher. And I'm going to challenge you. Starting on Friday, we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church family. There's like a, a Version Bible app called Awaken. Is that awakening that we're going to just go through together? Find your friends, find your small group on the YouVersion Bible app. We're going to go through that, but fast and pray. Meaning, like, stop drinking coffee, stop snacking, pick three things. And just like, Netflix, I can live without it for 21 days. Just do something else. In fact, pray. For you to get the breakthrough God wants you to do, for you to get the growth spurt in your character that God needs you to have to move into 2020 and to have 2020 vision for 2020... So catchy. For you to do that, you have to spiritually discipline yourself. You have to physically discipline yourself. You have to emotionally discipline yourself, mentally discipline yourself. You got to get better. Because the land is further than you are. It's more than your talent is going to be able to do. You need the hand of God and you need to get better. That's good preaching, Pastor. 
Preach that, Pastor. That's so good. Oh, preach it, Pastor. That's such an amazing word. I think you need to get inventive in how disciplined you get. I think you need to get inventive in how you get people on your dream team at church. I think you need to get inventive in how to get people to your small group. I think if you're not in small group, you need a growth spurt. You are missing out. I think if your church attendance is super spotty and you just kind of like organize your life around everything except God, you need a growth spurt. And, and here's what I had, this thought that I had for, for like, if you have a small group, like get the people in your small group serving at the same service with two services, sit one, work one, and be like, why don't you serve with me at the 930 and we'll sit the 11 and we'll sit together because we like each other. So, so many good ideas, so many good ideas. Father, if only my people would back me up in the sermon, I'm telling you. Thank you for that one person who loves me. Thanks, Mom. I love you. We say hindsight is 2020. We say hindsight is 2020, but here's the deal. It's not, because you're not that smart. It's not. What's frustrating when you get to be the ripe old age of whatever age I am, then I'm not going to tell you. You'll start discovering that hindsight is not only 2020, meaning I don't even really see clearly. I spent all my time looking back and trying to figure it out. I can spend all 2020 trying to figure out 2019 and I'm still not going to be able to do it because I'm not that smart. But the other side of that is when you get to my age, you can start getting worried that like, even if you knew how bad it was, you're still going to do the same thing. You and I get stuck in patterns, 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 like ruts in a road. The ruts will take you wherever the ruts want to go. And your life has looked like that, a series of patterns on patterns on patterns, completely predictable to the people in your life, most of them, who love you and have been telling you about it forever in the same argument that you've had five years straight, the same way that you've been dealing with your teenagers five years straight. Are they teenagers five years straight? Yes, math. (laughs) Nailed it. Patterns upon patterns upon patterns. Patterns upon patterns upon patterns. Hindsight is 20-20. I I worked for a farmer one time. We used to build commercial buildings on farms, and I was working for him. and, uh, And he said to me, he's like, hey, I hired a friend of yours a friend's brother one time, and he goes, I gave him a drill and put him in a steel box and said, drill a hole up in the corner of that box. And he says, I came back 15 minutes later. The hole's not drilled. Got any industry people in the house? Hole's not drilled. He goes, what's the hold up? He's like, it's just tough. He goes, are you spinning the drill in forward gear? And then my friend's brother, who was not smart, said what you and I say when somebody confronts us with truth about us. Of course I'm spinning in the right direction. Of course I'm living my life right. Of course it's their fault. An hour later he comes back, says the same thing. Same thing. Is it going in the right direction? Of course it's going in the right direction. He comes back at lunchtime, takes a drill, puts him forward, drills a hole, and says, I'm not going to need you here anymore. You can go find a job someplace else because we're not going to get along with each other. (laughs) Sooner or later, that's what happens with you. Your patterns catch up with you and what normally happens is that the brokenness of your life or the brokenness just in the world. Now, quit. you got to quit blaming God for the brokenness in the world. He made paradise. We turned it into a nasty whatever it is right now. Quit blaming God for disease and death. He he never intended. He created paradise. We're like, thank you for paradise. We're going to eat from the only tree that we can't because we're difficult. And then we're going to blame you for it for the rest of our lives. No, no, God didn't eat from the tree. It's our fault. We broke it. But the devil came in. We kind of handed it to him. And that's why 
But here's the thing. Your patterns or the patterns of the earth in and of themselves catch up with you sooner or later. Oh, this is good. They catch up with you. And the first thing that God uses but doesn't cause, the first thing that God uses, he can cause it, but is that, is that some sort of unexpected something happens. And that's the first thing I want to come to in the sermon today is that the first step is something that you don't control. It's called surprise. Like surprise. Whenever I hear somebody say like, and we had a baby, and it was, that one was a surprise. I invite them to church. I'm like, oh, you need Jesus. Oh, you need like free childcare where they learn about Jesus, and you can just relax and worship and repent of your sins and raising your kids. Something unexpected, something that's surprising you. Like I got that phone call about my son's diagnosis, and it was a surprise. I wasn't expecting it. Something bad. Moses dies. Moses, who's like old upon old upon old, and Joshua's like, maybe you're going to live forever, and I'm not going to have to do what I'm supposed to. Maybe I can just keep being the assistant, which is kind of nice. Like, nobody hates the assistant. (laughs) Nobody's like, let's kill Moses and go back to Egypt, because that's a super smart plan. Nobody thinks that's funny? Oh, we loved Egypt. Egypt was amazing. Please whip me some more. I love being a slave in Egypt. Hey, I'm going to preach a sermon about mentality to get you from a slave mentality. Oh, you think you're free in Canada? You're not. You have a slave mentality. I have a slave mentality, but you have to have a soldier mentality. When those things shift in your life, everything can change for you. But slaves do what slaves always do. They feel like victims. They complain. They blame everybody but themselves. Man, soldiers don't. They got a sword. Use it. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness, the word of God says. Use it. Well, let's learn how to... Le- oh, I'm not going to preach it. You can't make me. <laughs> the first thing that happens is a surprise. But every surprise is an opportunity to be reinvented. Because that's what 2020 is going to require of you. You need to be repurposed. Refurnished. Like your couch is worn out. Let's get it recovered. Your grace in dealing with people is not oil in the machine. It's not. There's too much friction. The conflict, can you imagine having life with conflict that actually moves the relationship forward? That the next fight that you have with your mom, teenager, it actually, you make reparation, you get better, and your relationship gets better, and you don't have the same fight. Oh my goodness. What God intends. You need repurposing, but it takes a surprise to get you out of the pattern because if your life is full of patterns that you control, your life is way too small. That's all we do, man. We just try to like just predict everything. And you got anybody who keeps a really clean garage and keeps everything just like perfect and perfect. Look, I love you. Your life might be too small. You need to come see my garage. I will enlarge your life. I will give you an opportunity to use your gifts. You need an element of chaos to get you out of your pattern. And that chaos is turmoil and hardship and unexpected or joy. Or, but most of the time, it's not fun. It's, it's something bad. It's something that brings pressure to bear because the pressure and the surprise and the chaos brings humility with it unless you're really, really stupid. It will finally help you realize what some of us have realized a long time ago because of bad surprises that we never had control in the first place. And what a waste of time to try to live your entire life with control. 
No, no, the whole purpose is that we give control over to God because he's the only one who can handle it. Surprise. The next thing that happens is that it needs, you need to define it, but you can't define what your patterns are because that's still controlling it. Well, I did. I didn't decide that that's what that was. <laughs> yes, we know. God will speak to you through his word, through prayer, through your small group, through your pastor's sermon. That's why some of you get mad when I'm preaching. You need somebody to define reality for you. Put it into words. Until it becomes in words, then it just, the pattern just stays on and on and on because you just feel a certain way and you just keep doing it. Put your feelings into words. Have God be like, you're feeling what selfish people feel. That's why you're fighting so much. Paul says to the Galatians, I think, he says, where do all the wars come from among you? It's because you kick and scream and fight because, I'm just paraphrasing this, because you don't get what you want. Let me just sum every fight in your marriage up to, you're not getting what you want. Check. But to change it, there has to be this element of chaos that gets you out of your pattern and gets you a little bit of humility, like, I can't do this, actually. I can't do this on my own. Then you need the cruel part. <laughs> you need somebody to define it. God says to Joshua, Moses is dead. And Joshua's like, it can feel cruel when somebody tells you the truth. But you have to define it. If you don't define it, you can't move into the vision of the future. Moses is dead. You can't, both of you can't be in charge. This is what we do sometimes. We want to move into a new life. This is my next point. You ready? Point number three. You have to settle the old life. Settle it. You need a surprise. You need chaos. You need somebody to define it for you. And then you need to settle the past. Do not walk into 2020 with 2019 mentality. It will not serve you there. What got you to where you are today will not get you where God wants you to be next year. He wants to repurpose you. He wants to refocus you. He wants to get you better. But what happens is we need to settle the past, not survive it. Just because you got past your childhood does not mean that it's not still in you. An entire generation died on an 11-day journey in the wilderness, spent 40 years there and died because Moses could get them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. Slave mentality. Oh, you just wait. He spent his entire life, their entire generation died in the wilderness because it takes a different mentality to get to the promised land. Slaves just want saving. Soldiers want to take ground for their children, take ground for their nation, take ground for their spiritually, for the Lord their God. Take ground. Walk into the devil's house and be like, whoa, this is my house. This house belonged to me now. My neighbor's house is my house. I'm a servant of Christ. This is my house. There's going to be hope in this house next year this time. There's going to be hope in my family. There's going to be hope in my life. I'm not going to have the same addiction next year. You have to, you have to get to this place where you're hungry, but content with where you are, but not satisfied, not like... Hey, everything's cool. I'm just not going to push very hard. I'm just not. And God's be like, no, get hungry. You got to want it. Be content with where God has you right now and work hard right now. But be hungry for what God has coming. You have to settle the past. This is why we offer Freedom Group. Because you can't just get, you can get through it, but it'll just walk right into your next relationship. 
Walk into your next church, walk into your next anything, and it'll be the same thing in your head as was happening back then. You have to settle it. You have to, you cannot be in two cities at the same time. You can't. You're in this relationship and you're still thinking like that relationship. And this is still part of this one. You got to settle yesterday. You got to check it off and be like, it's dealt with. It's done. It's not in my life anymore. I've taken the good faithfulness of God pieces out, but I'm leaving the other stuff back there. You got to settle it. If I'm driving to Calgary, I got to leave Airdrie. I can't be in both at once. You can't be in both lives at the same time. Some of you are living two lives. So you come to church and you look all great. And then, I don't know what you're up to tonight. Two lives. You got to leave one behind. Pick one. God says, I wish that you were hot or cold. At least cold people have to repent about something. But if you just come and just play this like religious game and like, hey, you know, everything's okay. I'm kind of looking. The God hates religious image, by the way. He says, just be before him as honestly as you can. Just be honest about it. At least give him something to work with but you got to make a decision this year. And your future is out there. It's not behind you. Quit, got to leave fear and discouragement behind and move into the future. The next thing you need to do is you need to alter it. I just needed an it in there because I had define it, settle it. Alter just sounded weird, so I just alter it. A-L-T-A-R, alter. Watch, watch as we move back to the story of Joshua here. Watch what happens. See, the Jordan River... It's between uh, Israel and the promised land. It's a natural barrier. You and I have many natural barriers that are keeping you from your destiny, meaning things inside of you, things that in your circumstance, things that you can't get over in your own strength. So it says the Jordan River at this time, it was flooding, which means that there's no bridges. Like you've got to go a long way out of the way to get around this river. It's flooding all of its banks. It was the season for, for that. It's flooding all of its banks. You can't get over it. And Joshua doesn't have 300,000 boats because he's got millions of people. He has an obstacle that's a natural obstacle like you feel the natural obstacle from keeping you from your future. They have a much worse natural obstacle they cannot get past. And what God does is God's like, just start moving in that direction and I'm going to take care of that for you. Now be careful because when God does the miracle and when God does what only God can do, then you're going to be camped next to the enemy because that barrier, ready, is also keeping you from the enemy. Your past is keeping you from the enemy because it's keeping you from your future. And if you want to settle on this side of your barrier, the devil's not really going to attack you all that much because you're not living the life you should and the life you could. You're not taking ground. You're just here. And God's like, I need to deal with the Jordan River. So he piles the water back. Someday in heaven, I'm going to get my own little Jordan River. I'm going to get like a little clay model. And God's going to be like, just move your hand. And he piles the water up. And I'm going to take my little like Joshua. And I'm going to have like a million little figures and just start moving them across there. That's a good. I'm going to just move across there. And I'm going to ask for a million arms so that I can move them all at the same time. And I move across <laughs> This is why I don't teach children, because I'd be lost in my head somewhere. It says this, when Joshua and all the people across the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. We're going to talk about altar it. We're going to talk about a memorial. Not an altar necessarily of sacrifice, but the altar will require sacrifice. You ready? Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Catch that. One from each tribe. Right. Not 12 from one tribe. 12 from one tribe. 
Now tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the door. And the priests stood in the middle with the ark of God. And then God piles the water back. And then all these millions of people start walking past. And it says, um, carry them out. So grab a rock, but not a little rock. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So we need to build a memorial, like an altar. We need to build one. So get 12 men to each grab a rock. But don't grab a tiny rock, because you can take a tiny rock with you, and that's what you and I do. Like, oh, sacrifice? It's no problem, God. I'll throw five bucks on the offering. Sacrifice? I won't murder my teenager this week. It's something, right? Sacrifice, not a little rock. Not something that costs you nothing. Make it something that hurts. Pick up a rock that hurts. You gotta carry it to where you're gonna camp. Get a big rock. Chad said to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Kananaskis and get myself a big rock. And go get a big rock. I'm gonna rock the, the suspension of your truck. Get a big one. Get a big rock, why? Because if you pile little stones to remember God, like a dog can run across them and knock them all down, and then who cares if you have 12 unassembled rocks in the middle of nowhere? Who cares? So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Catch that. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? It has to be big enough for the next generation to see it. It has to be big enough and solid enough and firm enough and hard enough that the next generation, it, they, it catches them. I think that my grandparents' generation built memorials, but I'm not so sure that my father's generation did. My parents did, but I'm not sure that their generation did. Will this generation be the generation that builds a memorial to the name of the Lord their God, or will we be forgotten like all the rest? Then you can tell us, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Then he said to the Israelites, in the future your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you will tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. There's a few things about this. I was thinking, I was thinking to the Holy Spirit, why are we talking about like 12 tribes and 12 stones? And I think what he showed me, just take this, just take this with you. I think what he showed me was there's probably a tribe in your life that would donate all of the stones. Does that make sense? There's something in your life that you don't mind sacrificing. You love being with people. You love counseling people. You love helping broken people. And what, what will happen is God will be like, okay, give that sacrifice. And you'll be like, can I sacrifice everything in this area of my life? Because it's easy for me. Like maybe Judah would donate all the stones just because they're generous. Some people have no problem giving in church. They're just generous people like that. But God looks at your life and he says, no, out of every area of your life, get a stone. Not just the ones you like. The ones you don't want to give up. Find something in an area of your life that you don't want to part with and make, pick a big one and give that. Because where I need you to go requires a memorial and not a memorial that's only the stuff that you wanted to give. David says, when I sacrifice to the Lord, let it cost me something. I don't want to sacrifice that which costs me nothing. I don't want to take your sacrifice and offer that on my altar. 
No, this is a memorial that I need to give something that hurts me, that costs me. And when you and I do this as a people, the person sitting beside you sees that you have a memorial piled up in your life of a bunch of uncomfortable things too. When uh, Pastor Aaron and I, when we even give it to the church, we talk about it in front of our children. And I remember the reaction we used to get like, wow, that seems like a lot, dad. And I'll be like, it was nothing. It's nothing. It's just money. There was a time when, you know, I was lost in sin. What is money? You can't, it can cost you your soul too. There was a time when your mother and I weren't going to make it. But look what the Lord has done. There was a time that we had nothing and you were going to have nothing, but because of God's intervention and a lot of hard work, but because of his grace and his intervention, we built a memorial and we remember the name of the Lord, our God, because we could not get unstuck except for the grace of God who defined it for us, who surprised us, who settled our passion, who made a memorial. And there's something that you need to tell the next generation, whether you have kids or not, like, look, we are building a memorial to the name of the Lord, our God, that will be remembered from generation to generation. It's going to be so big and so painful to us. And we're going to put a marker down and say, no, no, that's because we had nothing, but now we have everything. And my daughters are not going to struggle in their marriage the same way that we did because we went to war and built a memorial. We are not going to go back to Egypt. We are moving into the new year without the old year. We are moving into the new year because of what God has done and because what God has called you to do. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that you would give us the courage to build a memorial. We cannot enter to the new year until we build a memorial to the Lord our God because we, like the children of Israel, will be tempted to go back to Egypt. There was nothing in Egypt. We remember that old life of sin and what we thought was freedom that was just chains of sin upon chains of sin. And when we got lost and stuck down there, Father, we knew how bad it was and we knew that there was no hope and no light and no son of the living God on there. Our lives were lived in nothing with no purpose whatsoever. And you saved us and you brought us out and I pray that we would build a memorial and every day that we open our Bibles and every time we pray and every time we look at our sons and daughters, every time we see our friends as a small group, we would say, look what the Lord has done. Father, if you beat the lion and the bear, David beat Goliath because he remembered the lion and the bear and Goliath was just another one of them. The future and its challenges are nothing compared to what you have already done in our lives. We look back with gratefulness. We build a memorial today to the name of the Lord our God. Give us the courage to move into the new year with strength and might. Help us rise to the challenge, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything. 